Welcome to another edition of the Panorama Podcast. In this segment, the podcast gang talks to the local mother-daughter protest team that has been on the march for various causes the last few years. Listen how this proud American family has passed on the passion to protest and to be heard from generation to generation. I think so. You know, I think it was just natural. We were always taught to question. We were always taught to be interested. We were always taught, you know, never to judge people, you know, just on, on surface things that were unimportant. Um, and so I, I, I really, really value that. I, I, it was only as I grew up and got older that I realized that that was pretty un- unique, you know, uh, in mm-hmm. comparison to a lot of my peers from that generation. So how old were you when you did attend your first protest? I was trying to think. I, I'm, I think I was about... Let's see how old would I have been? Maybe fourteen or fifteen years old. Um, I went down uh, to New York. Uh, we took a bus, and I think it was the early eighties. We were uh, protesting anti nukes, freezing nukes. There was a huge anti nuke yeah. protest in New York City, and my parents, you know, packed us onto a bus. I think they had figured out that, you know, parking was going to be tighter, was going to be more than they could deal with. And we, we took a bus. It was like Greyhound or Peter Pan or one of those buses. <laughs> and we took like sack lunches. <laughs> okay. A whole day. It's like a picnic. We went to this anti, you know, nuke rally in Central Park. And I think that was my first protest where I was aware. I mean, as I said, when I was very young, I was brought to a lot of Earth Day concerts, a lot of anti-Vietnam protests. Yeah. So maybe that, maybe I was close enough to being, I wasn't specifically 17, but I was a teenager. Well, was there ever a time where any of the, those protests that you first went to got violent? And I guess if they did, how, how did you feel at that time, I guess? Mm. The only protests that I have been to where there was even a hint of violence. I think violence would be too strong a word. Um, Was in uh, January 2017 when I went down to D.C. for the Women's March. Remember the protests after the inauguration? And uh, and there was a quasi sort of a, I would call it a verbal standoff with uh, some pro- Trump supporters um, that led to a man being like knocked down on his back. But again, people were packed in so tightly. I don't even think it made the news, but that was the closest. I mean, that guy was literally standing right in front of me. So that was the closest I ever got to fisticuffs. I'm going to really sound old by saying that (laughs) at a protest, but really of the protests I've been to, the protesters are not there to be violent has been my, you know, and obviously that's been in the news a lot lately with calling protesters violent, right? Or saying that violence has derived out of protesting. That has not been my experience. As yeah. a so, um, like throughout your life being like, uh, being into like multiple protests, what kind of protests have you been a part of? I have my, my protesting other than the aforementioned, uh, 
has mostly just been politically oriented. Um, I have very much uh, been protesting the current administration. Um, I have also been uh, involved in the March for Science. Uh, so the protests have been about, I guess you would call it, are we on fourth wave feminism now? Um, third wave feminism was in the 90s. So, uh, you know, uh, LGBTQ rights, uh, those sorts of things. Going off of like how before I asked you if any of these protests got kind of rowdy, um, have you ever been arrested before? That's just like a personal. Do you have what? a record? <laughs> yeah. Oh, am a I file? to talk about that on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I have, I have had it. Uh, okay. I'll tell you this. I've, I've been pro I, in 2018, I was protesting outside of Trump tower in New York and about, I, I it seemed like a couple dozen people were being arrested. I think we'd have to Google to find out the actual number of people who were arrested. And my friend and I, who are older middle-aged women who had shopping bags, we sort of were able to use these shopping bags to kind of shirk away from this protest. So <laughs> I told Fiona, if, and so we didn't end up getting arrested, but I, I've seen, you know, obviously had people near me being arrested. And I told Fiona, you know, two things. I said, it might be a good idea to always sort of have a shopping bag with you if you don't want to get arrested because you claim that you sort of have another agenda. Or if you if you want to get arrested, if that's part of it, if getting arrested is, is part of it, right? Because that brings awareness. Yeah. I told her, you know, go to ground, be very limp, do not resist. Um, if, if getting, if, if being arrested is part of it, you know, you don't want to get hurt. So you've seen these people get arrested close, like yes. close contact. So like, have you ever had like that kind of fear of being arrested? Like, does that give you any kind of hesitance when you're protesting? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, yes, you know, definitely it's, it's, it's intimidating. Um, but on the other hand, I think that my fears about getting arrested were these kind of middle-class suburban fears. Like, um, uh, my husband has, you know, a medical practice. So it's like, would this negatively impact, you know, if it was known that I had been arrested? And again, I think that there's a kind of arrogance for me to say this, to be honest, but no, I didn't feel like I, I wasn't super afraid of what would happen to me if I, if I were to be arrested. I, I, I guess I, I felt that I might spend some time like maybe overnight in jail or something that I'd ultimately call my attorney. <laughs> I felt I had rights <laughs> at the time, Yeah. but again, this was too, you know, <laughs> This was in the past two to three years. I mean, if I were to go right now and protest in Portland, for example, I might be very afraid about what would befall me, you know, because- I think that might be their idea. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess, you know, within the old system, no, per se, I was not worried about getting arrested or what would, ha what would befall me. Do you have any personal reasons that are always tied to the cause that you're protesting for? Because I feel like you really need to be motivated to really get out on those streets and just mm -hmm. march and just yell for your rights. But do you have any like personal experiences as to why you 
really feel the need to protest? Oh, that's such a great question. Well, I didn't know how far into things, you know, you guys have this great buzzword TMI, you know, at your age group. But I really grew up, so when I was uh, growing up in Massachusetts, um, there was this big issue around busing, Mm. Um, you know, and so I grew up in one of the few towns where we had busing and it was contentious, you know, what, you know, my parents were very involved in local politics in Massachusetts. Stop me if I'm going too far down a path, but we had this thing called town meeting. We didn't have mayors in towns in New England. Um, only cities had mayors. So smaller towns had basically town meetings. It was almost back to like the pilgrim times where anybody <laughs> could go up and state their beliefs and then they'd almost like take a poll. It was really an interesting way of governing. And so whether they were going to have busing or not was very contentious. And my parents were very much pro the busing. And so, um, and through a series of events, there ended up being some discrimination in my town at a very high level, it was racial discrimination that had happened. And so my parents and two other couples in the town decided that they were going to sue the town that I grew up in. And it took 11 years for the lawsuit to come to, you know, uh, to end and there'd be a verdict and ultimately uh, they won their suit. But I grew up so in this public school system where certain teachers that I have would know from my last name, oh, you're the kid whose parents are suing the town. <laughs> okay. so, my, my, so my entire upbringing was infused with sort of fighting for good causes, maybe taking up the part, a third party who wasn't, I think my parents recognized that busing was going to enrich everybody by bringing diverse people into our public school system and was going to um, shake up our largely white middle-class suburban town in a great way. Um, My dad also had, you know, like so many people who are educators, they have to have kind of a second job to often to make ends meet or to bring extra money. And so my dad ran a teen center and uh, it was in a different area uh, that was more diverse. And um, he always brought me with him. And sometimes he would take brass knuckles off of kids. He would break up fights. You know, these were disadvantaged teens. And he would bring me with him a lot, even when I was a little kid. Um, and his friend that he ran it with was an African-American guy. And um, so I had a lot of exposure to diversity in the in the 70s and I, I i guess i was taught through osmosis to to be to to fight for for that um i don't know if i'm going on at length too much um also around thanksgiving time my mom was very my parents decided they were going to vacation in provincetown massachusetts which had a very very large gay community and through summering there uh, we had a lot of exposure to that community and made friends and my parents would kind of take in for Thanksgiving. We'd always have couples at our table that were basically, I know it's hard to believe nowadays, but they were being shunned, you know, by their own families for having a partner, you know, with them or whatever. And I guess I just grew up in that kind of collective environment. Like the world won't change unless we get out there on the street, really. It's kind of like, didn't, John Lewis, who just died, rest in peace, say, uh, you know, get in good trouble. Get in good trouble. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly I mean, think, what he said. Yeah. <laughs> 
like kind of transitioning into this. So Fiona and like Miss Anderson's like when did how did you guys both start protesting together? Yeah, how do you drag your daughter out there? So maybe ah. she doesn't want to do anything. You stay and watch <laughs> TV. You want to answer that? <laughs> sure, I'll definitely answer that. Um, I mean, I think that I've always been pretty inspired by my mom. As she said, you teach activism. So seeing somebody living in the same household and like having somebody teach me as I grew up to be an active person um, was always infused in me as well. Um, so yeah, I've always been around her and seen her, um, do that. And as a kid, I want to like, be like my mom and, you know, kind of emulate all the great things about her. So I would always be like, Oh, can I come? And I remember we went to the science, the science March, um, back in like 2017, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, in Palm Springs. And that was the first time that we protested, protested together, but we actually kind of protested as a family. My dad and my brother also went as well. So I remember that was like the first time I had been around, like I'd seen my parents in that element, I guess, when of course in their, in their past life, they've definitely been active as well. Uh, so that was the first time I got involved. And then with all of this kind of going on with the, uh, police brutality and the black lives matter movement and kind of a surge of activism with, uh, protesting all around the country nationwide, uh, I wanted to get involved and, so I asked my mom if I could go. She seemed very excited to go as well. She wanted to encourage me. And and so we went together. And I love being in that type of, you know, uh, I guess, environment because she's really well-informed and she is always the one that's down to lead chance or, like, up to get people to be a little bit more, you know, excited about the movement she always gets people like spurred up and I don't know, excited to do, excited to get involved. And yeah, she, when I was with my friends. What are your, what are your mom's favorite chants? Oh, oh man, there's so many. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I love that one. Uh, tell me you know, what America right. looks like. That's this my favorite. This is what least. America looks like. Tell me what America <laughs> looks like. This is what America <laughs> looks like. That one is her, like, my signature. Is her, that's her chance. She has to get she that trait. She, she always like somehow finds the people in the protest we're at that are leading the protest, and she goes like she taps them on the shoulder and she goes, "Hey, I know a good cheer. This one would be really good. We should try this one. Can I help you guys out?" And then she starts to cheer with them, and everyone is is following her lead. So she's always the one that's been like a leader in these oh. type of situations. Thank you. <laughs> Very cool. Cool. Um. I thought it was good. We protested in a couple of different spots. Um, I felt like the protest that was outside of the Trump golf course was nicely fraught with some needed tension because we were right there, you know, sort of. And it made it a bit more tense because I think they were, you know, they had sent more authorities there. I, I guess just because he's still the president. I mean, conflict of interest, whatever, that's a different path, but this is still his golf course, I guess. And in that case, um, we had some protesters show up that were a little more eager to actually get into it with the police. Um, And so in that case, I felt that as a middle-aged protester, I was able to do some good as far as kind of um, helping to diffuse their anger a little bit. 
um, you know, were these younger people, yeah, these were younger people. They were younger males. You know, I think okay. sometimes, you know, there's a little testosterone. I'm not going to say it for all, you know, but there was some of that energy happening. Um, the police really wanted protesters in a, they very specifically wanted protesters like out of the path of where it said Trump golf course. They very much wanted to cordon <laughs> us into a certain spot. And they wanted everybody off the street and they had, you know, two or three different law enforcement agencies there, um, plus security from the Trump establishment. And so when these boys kind of came peeling up to the protest and, and were refusing to get off the street and were probably a little too close to the police. Um, so that was a little bit tense. Um, and then down in the Malaga Cove area, I thought that was a beautiful protest. Um, there was mostly young people. I felt like one of the only older people there, there were tons of young people. They were from the public school system. They were from Chadwick. They were from surrounding areas. It was incredibly diverse. Everyone wore a mask, which made me so proud because it was, that was, you know, um, and it was just, it really was the best of this hill. I think an issue that'll become like much more prominent in the next couple of years will be environmental activism. Once again, because I know that that is becoming a larger and larger issue, although it's not like it's not at the center of attention right now, of course, because there's so many other issues going on. Um, but I think like regardless of election outcomes and regardless of future events, that will be like a continuous trend in activism that we'll see uh, grow. I was wondering if due to, you know, just college, you know, expectations for college acceptance and stuff, are, are Penn students worried about getting arrested at demonstrations? Are Penn students worried that there's a downside to protesting? You know? I feel like, well, I'm a, I already graduated, so okay. like I'm a year older, but I feel oh, like okay. overall with young people, I think everyone's on social media and like social media, they tend to show a lot of the more graphic aspects of protests. Like they see these people getting beaten in the streets by cops yes. and like being you know, arrested. And I think people are worried that that might happen to them, but also, I don't know. I feel like some people are very desensitized to it at this point. So that fear kind of goes away. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Cause it might jeopardize our safety, but I personally, I don't think I'm that worried, but yeah, I'm not sure about other people. I mean, um, I just know that living in Peninsula and on the Hill, you don't really grow up having too much fear, especially because we're, we're actually pretty closely aligned with the police departments. They're just right around the corner. They're pretty friendly to us. We don't have like that instilled mm -hmm. fear of like the police that other people in other different kinds of neighborhoods have. So the reason why that you might not be seeing a lot of Penn students out on the streets is because, um, like Asumi said, a lot of us are desensitized even more so because of quarantine. Um, and of course there's like a big, uh, the biggest factor I would say is because a lot of people are afraid of contracting the coronavirus. So, that's like personally my reason too, but for others, it can really just be because they don't really 
see how it pertains to their life personally. Um, and so they just don't feel the need to go out on the streets mm. and like protest on behalf of people um, on behalf of the black lives matter movement. And it's unfortunate, but you know, um, the last time we had the biggest protest was about the mm. gun control. Um, we have yeah. like a protest, well, not a protest, but like a walkout. I remember at, that. Yeah, for, yeah. Around the March for our lives. Student walkout. Yeah around that time it was it was it was an amazing demonstration but half of the people there just came out because they got the chance to miss like school you know it wasn't a lot of these people don't really go for it unless it directly correlates to their life and it's a bit sad but i'm just hoping that as we mature and become um adults yeah adults <laughs> we're going to um hopefully become aware of these issues and maybe even start going to the streets and protest for what's right i think it's just a matter of expanding your sense of civic mindedness and what it means to be a citizen when you're living in an area or just in a state or in a country it's right you're learning about global awareness and so you're right I mean you said as you mature you begin to ask yourself not just how are things affecting me but what what kind of what kind of world do I want to live in you know and then you realize oh if I'm only just looking out for my own interest or I'm only going to spark a protest if something affects me directly right well then I'm not really participating in a global world, right? So to be in a global world, you also have, there's an upside and maybe some would say a downside, I would say a responsibility, but what responsibility do I have to my neighbor who is getting a harder time than I am? My fellow human, you know, do we have a responsibility to each other as, as human beings? So that's right. That That's probably what's at the heart of when, people are showing up to protest. I mean, the ones that are there to actually protest and not get out of school or something. You have been listening to the Panorama Podcast. Oh, well, music provided so by George McKinto at Joyful <laughs> Music and Arts. The Panorama Podcast is presented by Totally <laughs> yes, Cool you. Publishing and is not affiliated with any public or private school. Talking.